You are welcome to growth moments. Welcome to time of refreshing. Welcome to the season of strengthening. Every church needs strengthening. Every ministry needs to be stimulated for growth. Even your life as a leader needs to be healthy so that you can grow a healthier and lasting ministry for the Lord. Because the church of Jesus Christ should grow, must grow, and become better in the world. Therefore, come along in the journey, fasten your seatbelt, and be ready to experience the change you have long been looking for. As the growth leader of our time, Dr. Francis Bola Akinjong speaks under the anointing of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Just one prayer before I go to my teaching. Lord, anoint my eyes to see that which you want me to see. Anoint my ears to hear that which you want me to hear. Anoint my heart to know that which you want me to know. Let my life and ministry never remain the same. Can we pray in the name of Jesus? Anoint my eyes to see that which you want me to see. Anoint my heart to know that which you want me to know. Anoint my ears to hear that which you want me to hear. And let my life and ministry never remain the same. My coming here must not be in vain. Let me enjoy open heaven. Help me cast away every distraction. So shall it be in the name of Jesus. You are blessed. The Lord has answered our prayers. Just one more to before I go. This is a new venue for us. And we bless the name of the Lord for the men of God that are in charge that give us this place. We appreciate it. And I could sense the anointing here. You know why? Yes, sincerely. I was here last Thursday to preach. And I know this is a good place. And in my own little research, I found out that it was Baba Baba Jide that dedicated this building. So this building has a solid foundation. I don't need to tell you where we used to hold our conference before. That's a past story. And you won't hear anything in my mouth. But we are here now. We are here now. And from here, we'll move to camp. We are growing also. So we, we are not only teaching growth. At least you are saying. I'm going to be yet on saying. But if I have a long mass, I'm going to swing to the leg. I'm going to swing to the leg. Thank you for coming. So and the toilets, they are at the back there. If you want to go to the toilets, no, I'll put somebody there to collect money. If you are coming too often. Because it's a very clean place. It's different to your former place. So this one, if you are going too often, you should toilet in the candle shame. I'll ask them to be collecting money. You are blessed in Jesus' name. Let's have our seats. If you have your manual, we're on page 19. The difference between church planting, between church growth, and between church health. What are the differences? You know, in Christendom, we use a lot of terminologies. We use a lot of words to describe many, many things that we are doing. 
especially when it comes to what is church growth. There are a lot of chars who are experts. Okay, when you read that book, one of the chapter, the title is Every Pastor is an Expert in Church Growth. Every pastor, I know church growth. So in different meetings and different conferences and different areas, people give us different, different definitions and different, different meanings of these terminologies. But we felt that, as the Lord leads us, that we need to lay, relay a good foundation for the church. We need to clarify all the clusters, all the lies, like Pastor Danny has shared, all the half-truths, all the myths that they've been telling us about the growth of the church, about church planting, about, uh, about the health of church. Because, you know, we pastors and we church leaders, once we gain an audience, once we are popular, once we have people following us, once we say something and people fear and they respect us, we try to twist things we don't like. Our prejudices, we turn into teaching. Our little understanding, even when we don't know, we project as if we know. So we, we model up so many things, not knowing that we are destroying the future of some people and we are destroying the future of the work. But when you read the introduction in the outline there, we need to behave like somewhere who go to the presence of the Lord and hear the voice of the Lord clearly. And I believe this week, this is the presence of the Lord for every pastor, for every minister. As you come here, may your ears open. I can't hear your amen. Look, answer me. Don't say because there's a distance between the altar and that place. I can come down there. And you don't know. The Lord can ask me to punch you. It's part of miracle. Yeah, it's part of your coming here. If they can't beat you there, I can beat you here. Lord say you, I'm your geo. Hello? I say I'm your geo this week. You need to respect me. If you don't respect me, I'll, I'll thank God there's security. So it's important this week that we clarify. You know, in John chapter 8, verse number 32, ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall do what? Shall set you free. We need to relay a solid foundation for the church. Because Jesus, the coming of Jesus is coming nearer. He's becoming nearer and nearer. And in actual fact, we are the one disturbing Jesus from coming. Because if he comes now, how many is he going to rapture? What kind of church is he going to rapture? So we are the one. Every other prophecy about his coming, about the rapture, they have all come to pass. But if he comes to the church now, how many will go in our church? That's a big problem. And I have been praying, and we have been praying that this conference, we don't just want any kind of people to come. We want those people that God has chosen that will do mighty work for him at this same time. So I believe your coming, God has a hand in it. He's the Holy Spirit that reminds you. He's the Lord that put the desire and provide for you to come because he has chosen you among the end time army that will do a great job for him. And my prayer for you, may you not disappoint him in Jesus' name. So when we become like Prophet Samuel, that hears God and hears clearly, then we know the difference between what is church planting, what is church growth, what is church health. And we can go and implement it in our churches. Because take it or leave it. God doesn't work through methods. He doesn't work through benches and tables and chairs. He works through people. Human beings see the eternal method of God. What was said in the scripture is still true. 
I search for a man. I look for a man that will stand in the gap. I'm looking for a man. I may find you. That your email doesn't have no dark approved number. I say, may he find you. Okay, let's read three passages of scripture. I'm under church planting now. Three passages of scripture. Romans chapter 10. Epistle of Paul to the Romans. Chapter 10 of it. Romans chapter 10. I'll be reading from verse 13. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Can you see the progression there? The Lord wants people to call upon him. He wants to save them. He sent his son. That's the Lord God. He sent his son to be the savior of the world. He is the one who sent his son. Jesus did not come by himself or by his own free will. Or it was the father that sent him. Because if you read the book of Isaiah, he pleased the Lord to bruise him. He pleased, he made his soul and not free for sin. He was the one who sent his son into the world. Because he wants the world to be saved. He wants to bring the world to himself. And the son has come. He has finished that work. He has died. He has risen again. He has gone back to heaven. And he has poured out his spirit into the world. Now what does that mean? God is not looking for preachers. He's looking for people that he called. Did you read it there? How can they preach except they be sent? Except they be sent. Somebody must send you. And that is the Lord. He must call you and send you. So for those of you who believe that, and I don't need to wait for God. Lord, shebo ya sheba baile. Ayye. And I can do the work. I like it. You will think twice very soon. I often told the story. Many years ago, we went to a mountain to pray. And when we were searching for a location upon the mountain, in I think early in the morning, we saw one guy there. He saw, he was praying. He was praying loudly. And we were overhearing his prayers. Say, Lord, call me. Call me, oh, this is my 14th day of fasting. I said, call me. If you don't call me, I will call myself, oh. Right on the mountain. And you know, that is the picture. That one is even good. He even went to pass and pray. Asking God to call him. There are so many of us who have not been sent. That's why we don't have a message. If you want to have a message, you must be sent. And he that sent you must give you a message to preach. Because when you don't have a message to preach, nobody will call upon the Lord. Nobody will be saved. God gave gifts. And callings to each of us. Either you are apostle, either you are prophet, either you are pastor, either you are evangelist, either you are a teacher. The reason, the purpose, the eternal purpose of those giftings is so that people can call upon the law so that they can be saved. In other words, if your own gifting is not getting people saved, 
is a wrong gifting or is a wrong use. Even now your ministry, people are not getting born again. The way you are using your own gifting is to just gather secular people, give them a good talk. They are not getting born again. It's the wrong way to use that gift. The purpose, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call upon the name of the Lord? Except there is a preacher. And how can they preach? Except they are sent. Very, very important. So if God makes you a preacher, if God makes you a teacher, if God makes you a pastor, if God makes you an evangelist, it's so that people will be saved. So that people can call upon him. Because he is the only one that can save them. And when you plant yourself as a person that you can call upon, in other words, when you build the church on yourself, you are building on a shaky foundation. Rather, we should build it on him that saves. Hello? Roma, Acts chapter 16. I don't want to dwell too much there because of my time. Acts chapter 16. That's my second scripture. Acts chapter 16, verse number 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. This time it's not only the Christians that were being established in the faith, it was the churches. Look at it there, it's plural. And so were the churches established. Or if for you to understand that verse very well again, shift a little to verse 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders who were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. What was the decree? The first council meeting of the church, the apostles and the church leaders at the first apostle, they took a decision that every believer, you must be born again. Not only that, you must abstain from fornication. Not only that, you must not eat meat that are strangled. Not only that, you must keep away from anything that has blood, human blood or anything blood. You don't eat it. And every other good commandment. And that's what they wrote to the churches. You don't have to become a Jew to be a Christian. No, once you repent, you accept Jesus. That means you for, uh, God, your sins are forgiven. You are a Christian. And you can keep away from fornication. You can keep away from meat strangled. You can keep away from blood. And any other good thing. You are okay. So that was the decree that Apostle Paul, they gave to the churches. And that leads to verse 5. That say, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. I want to pray for somebody. May your church be established in the faith of our Lord Jesus. May that church increase in number daily. Acts chapter 9, verse number 31. We need to read scripture. We need to scripturalize the church. We need to check our practices in church. Either they are scriptural or not, it's very important. Enough of human understanding. Enough of human practices and methods. Let's go back to the Bible. That's what will be our judge. And the Bible is a final arbiter. I hope you understand that language. The Bible is a final arbiter. I explained it somewhere on Sunday. When they say the final arbiter, 
That is the final judge and the final judgment. You know, if you have a court issue, you go to customary court. If they can, if you don't satisfy with the judgment of customary court, you go to state high court. If a state high court doesn't satisfy you, uh, you go to appeal court. <laughs> when you go to appeal court, if you don't like what they do, go to Supreme Court. So when you get to the Supreme Court, any judgment they give to you is final. You can't appeal that one again. Because that's the supreme. In matters of faith, the Bible is the supreme. It's not my geo. It's not my geo. It's not my boss. It's not my bishop. It's not my founder. The Bible is the final arbiter. And if you want your church, for God to approve your church, approve your people, go back to the Bible. That's important. What we are doing, what I'm doing, is this scriptural? Where are the churches? Any outreach that we are doing, that's no, that doesn't result in church planting, claiming that the whole of Africa is saved. Africa is washed in the blood and crusade have been held here and there. But the big question is, I remember some few years ago, crusade life that went there with about 30,000 counselors. And at the end of the crusade, majority of those people went to deeper life. But the rest of the churches, we only went there to collect money. I'm sorry to say that, but it's the reality. We don't have the vision that after this crusade, though, this one week, with amazing miracles, amazing, amazing, amazing extravaganza, awareness for the gospel, where are the souls going to stay? Many of us are not concerned. Even the one we do in our church, we don't do follow-up. We don't do integration. We don't do assimilation. We don't do integration. We don't do, I mean, make people to stand in the faith. Whereas you, that you are a Christian, you are a strong Christian, you are a pastor today, somebody followed you up. And we are not repeating that. And yet we want people to be born again. Today we can say, hey, uh, this one is my member. That one is my member. Are they responsible Christians? Okay, let's move on. So church planting should be the result. And if you're an evangelist, church planting must be the result of your crusade. Anywhere you hold it, it must lead to planting churches. It is gathering new converts into a place, starting the fellowship and worship services to nurture them into responsible Christians. Underline that. To nurture them into responsible Christians. When you go for soul winning, when you go for outreach, and there's no living church to bring the people to so that we can nurture them. They can become responsible Christians. It's like you go to the seashore and you throw in your sick, I mean, you throw in your net or throw in your whatever and you catch the fish. And when you examine the fish, you look at the bigness and the goodness of the fish, the, the make of the fish, you throw it back to the ocean. Oh, you remind me a story. You remind me a story of somebody that went fishing. He went fishing. And, uh, and it, when he throws a hook and he catch a fish, he was the only one on the lake. When he catch a fish, he would draw it up. When he look at the fish, amazingly, you know what he would do? He would take his tepul, tepul, in the boat, he would take the pool and measure the fish. If the fish is longer than the tepul, he would throw it back to the ocean. He would go and catch another one. And remove his tape and measure it. 
Once you see that the tiny, if the tiny is the size of his uh, tepro, he will keep it. But if it's, it's longer than his tepro, he will throw it back. That was what he did all day. Unknown to him that somebody was watching. And in the evening, when he came to shore, so the guy who has been watching, asked him and said, I'm amazed at you. You're a good fisherman. He said, yes. But can you explain to me why any fish you catch, you have to measure it. And if you see that it's longer than your tepro, you throw it back. Ah, I say you don't understand. Dyer, those fishes that are longer, he has to throw them away because they are longer than his fry pan. That is tepro. He has measured his fry, fry pan. So, <laughs> when he catch a fish, he will measure about the size of his fry pan. So if the fish is longer than his fry pan, he throw it back. And that's always in some churches, that's what we do. We throw people back. He's wiser than us. He's more educated than us. He's more richer than us. He's more exposed than us. Uh-huh. Church plant is the most effective evangelism methodology under heaven. That's a statement by C. Peter Wagner. Church planting is the best way to grow, to nurture and disciple new believers. Church planting is the best way to conserve the reap harvest fields of the world. The motive of church planting must be pure and divine, not what? Mundane. You don't plant churches because of money, because of title, because of age, because of class, because of show off. Or you don't plant churches because of competition. And we must plant churches. In fact, we are doing a seminar on it in late March. Before Friday, we'll give you the flyer. I'm doing a seminar on it. We need to plan more churches. And in my research and calculation, we still need more one million healthy local churches before Jesus will come back. We need to plan churches. Not the one denominational is planting. No. Those ones are denominational churches. They are competition churches. In this company alone, you can see four, five, six, seven churches and will be disturbing each other. Whereas, one mile down here, there is no church there. Rara, we won't go there. We must plant churches. Now, I know in church planting, there are a lot of ideas. There are a lot of people who believe that one church for one city. In the city of Lagos, we only have one church. It's a devilish idea. It's not a scriptural idea. It's a Tower of Babel idea. When God said they should scatter, they said, no, we will remain here. So everybody should come from everywhere to that one local church. It's a tower of baby. Have you seen cities? They have become cosmopolitan and metropolitan. What does that mean? It is becoming so wide. And different, different group of people, nations, languages. Look at Lagos alone. Look at how many people in Lagos. How many languages? How many tribes? Have you noticed something of recent? In the last three years, because of Boko Haramiju, have you seen the Malam? And people from the north, they are our security. They have even become Okada riders. Young, young people. I'm looking for people that will cast the vision and plant churches for them. Many of them are Christians. I'm looking for those who may see the vision and plant church for Okada riders. And you do your service on Okada day. Don't ask me what that one means. Hello? So the idea of one church for one city doesn't tally with God. It's the idea of Tower of Bebe. Okay, your church is here. 
but the Lord led you to do a crusade in Shagamu. Do you expect people from Shagamu to be coming here? Or your church is here, and you went and do crusade at Iba, Iyanaba, or Okoko, or Ajangbadi, or Badagri, and you expect them to be transporting themselves here. I hope you remember one church that they were bossing people from different, different, different locations for many years ago. Where are those bosses? And where are the people? I know we love to support lies when we don't know the truth. And if somebody is talking that that's not scripture, ah, it's criticizing. It's not a matter of criticism. It's a matter of how was it done in the Bible. The Bible should be our judge. It's the final arbiter. We're not against anybody. But why is it done in the Bible? Say in Bible time, shall be Jesus say, start from Jerusalem. From Jerusalem, go to what? Uh, Samaria, from there go to what? Judea. And from there go to where to? Otamos part of the earth. We must take churches to where there are no churches. And when people from long distance, they got saved, take a church to them. Gather them together. Let them fellowship together. And let them mature and be nurtured in the Lord. But you are expecting them to be driving 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 kilometers to church. It's a little bit of lunatism. And may the Lord deliver us seven times. Are you still around? We are in a castle. If, you need, if, if I'm saying what you need to ask question, I'll give you room. Maybe tomorrow or next tomorrow, like the last day before you collect your certificate. And I'll see the kind of question you are asking. Maybe I should give you certificate or not. So that's about church planting. Now let me give you what is not in your outline. Church planting, the purpose of church planting. Number one, for responsible Christians. Number two, in order to provide a place for the Christians to grow. Number three, to be able to nurture them, nurture them in the word, in the doctrine, in the truth of Christ. Number four, to disciple them. Because the fellowship, the gathering, the assemblies of believers is to disciple. Number six, to conserve them. Number five, Abby, you didn't pay for this one, so I can jump. To conserve them. Don't be a child that just reap the harvest and you don't conserve the harvest. Even harvest that you have reaped, if you don't conserve it, it will become a wasted harvest. I'm the son of a farmer, so I know how, to, how my father used to harvest yams and conserve it. Especially like this December, January now. You know the jam is drying up. It's, the water is gone. And if you don't know how to conserve yam, they will get spoiled. That's why in farming, even those who, those who, do, who plant rice, maize, and say whatever, they have silos. They have places where they conserve it. So when we read the harvest, the church is a conservation so that they can listen to the world every day. They can be nurtured. They can be discipled. They can be followed up. That's number six. You need, the purpose of church planting is to follow people up. Of what use is the souls you want. And you don't follow them up. They don't stay in the Lord. Did you hear what Paul said? First and second Thessalonians. He said, now that you people are standing in the Lord, now we are alive. 
He said, when I didn't hear of you, I sent Timothy, I sent Titus to come and shake your faith so that we have not labor in vain. Of what uses we want souls, we did all that, and we don't conserve them, we didn't follow them up, we don't ground them, so that they will begin to live like Christ, and follow the teachings of Christ, and show Christianity in their daily life. Of what uses our evangelism? Hello? Okay? I hope you remember First Corinthians chapter 3 also, where Paul wrote, that Paul planted. Apollos did what to water. And God gave the words. You know the way I love to interpret that? If Paul did not plant, there will be nothing for Apollo to water. And if Apollo did not water, there will be nothing for God to increase. Of course, in some situation, the planter gifting might be different. To the watering gifting. But both of us should work together. If you are a planter, you are a preacher, you are an evangelist, you are a church planter, uh-huh, that's your grave. Plant it. Then invite those of us who are gifted to nurture, to come and nurture it. And God will see something to increase. May we not labor in vain in Jesus' name. Then what is church growth? Pastor Daniel gave you the very good definition of church growth. Especially for those who come and take study in our school about church growth. I'll repeat it. It's a very good definition. Church growth is a careful study that investigates the nature, the function, and the health of Christian churches as they relate to the effective implementation of the Great Commission. So church growth is not just about uh the crowd. No! You study. It requires skill. It requires study. It requires knowing. It requires being informed. It requires catching the revelation and doing it accordingly. And it focuses on three things. The nature of the church. What's the nature? Growth. Transformation. Christ-likeness. The nature of the church. The function. How does the church function? The services and what we do the, and all the what we need to do and the health can the church be sick? yes can the church be healthy? yes you know in my own research the church is just like human body if you don't know that your body that you put on you will kill it before your time it's your body yes but it, it demands for careful handling church growth is a careful study yeah, why anyone can plant or start a church? It takes a competent pastor to lead the church to growth. I need you to underline that. I'm trying to follow it systematically. I've talked about church planting. Then I conclude, I, I further must say that anybody can plant a church. And I've seen many people starting churches. I've seen people that are wealthy. They go and buy land and they erect a structure. And they call it a building. And they employ pastor to be pastoring. Okoriri. Otra. And someone say, what is church? What is church? It is just to gather people together. And put somebody. And do service. Uh, offering. And do all that. And the church will grow. You will understand. I'll tell you a story. I won't mention it. But I'll tell you a story. In the 50s. In the 60s. 
Somebody runs a secondary school in Mushi area. Yes, in Mushi uh, area. Don't let me say more than that. He runs a very popular private secondary school and he's a child of God. And uh, God did not call him. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. And God blessed him with money. But he has this idea that he must start church. So he built a church. And you know the popular name of the church? Free gospel. Free gospel. Because in that church, you don't contribute offering. In that church, you don't pay tithes. In fact, when you come, when you are going home, they will give you transport fare. And before the service ends, they will feed you. Yeah, it's a free gospel. Go and do your research. I know the name, but I won't mention it. It's a free gospel. And people came. And you know, eventually, it was a good idea. But eventually, people came only to eat. And to collect uh, transport money. What was he using to sponsor all the church? His secondary school business was pumping the money. So when people came, people were not contributing anything. And if I, you collect money, go. So people start to evangelize. You want to eat your uh, lunch or your breakfast? Let's go to church. They will even give you transport fare. Church is very complex. Very complex. There are good ideas that <laughs> it doesn't tally with God's idea. It can bring people but it will not stay there. As I'm talking to you, that man of God who started that church is dead now. In fact, he died some couple of years back. His secondary school is still running, but the church has closed down. In fact, the person who inherited the only few people that remain is, a, is, a, is our student in the school. When he came and started telling story, I said, tell me where you are coming from. Then he mentioned money. Ah, free gospel. He says, I saw you know the story. I said, I know your story. Today, to collect offering from few people is difficult. Not to sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. Teach, teach, teach. Oh, bad. Oh, shape it. Oh, Because the foundation is free gospel. Now, what am I saying in essence? Anybody can plant a church. But it takes a competent pastor to grow a church. I'll still come and comment on that later. Let's move on. The local church is not, it's not those four things. Because in many conferences and teachings and even books that we read, people tell us, even fathers in the faith, this is what they call the local church. One of these four things. Look at it there. The local church is not a museum of saints. An SSS church says sanctify and satisfy. That's not the healthy local church. The local church is not a moving bus or a coach that people can drop off whenever they like. I overheard that in one big conference, PFN conference, many years ago. One big father in the Lord came up and said, Look, pastor, don't kill yourself. The church is a bus. You are the one driving. Anybody can come down at their bus stop. Just keep on driving. So that when you get to drive that bus to heaven, there will be no passenger to deliver to Jesus. That's what it meant now. Anybody can go, Jerry. Yes, people leave churches. But our, our duty as pastors and leaders is to ask, why are they leaving? Why are they not coming? If you don't address those issues, you'll keep leaving. You know? 
Oh, did you remember our Lord Jesus? He healed ten lepers. Only one came back to give thanks. He asked question. Where are the nine? Why didn't they come back? So when people leave your church, leave your church, they come for program. Or your church is like a hospital. Hospital. Healing, miracle, science, and wonder. On Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, people receive healing. But you have nothing to tie them down. They will not come back home. And many times we blame people. Don't blame people. Because the number one reason why people leave churches is pastors and leadership. Hello? Are you still around? I took quiet. Oh. <laughs> the church is not a hospital to treat the wounded. But when you run church as a solution center only, recovery center, else you are in trouble. And you know many of our churches, that's the way we run there. It's because we don't know church growth. You only run it on deliverance ministry, healing ministry, miracle ministry, prophetic ministry, giving ministry, this kind of ministry, that kind of ministry, early morning program, inter- uh, interdimensional program. Those ones should serve only as a bait to bring people in. And after they come in, you must have what to tie them down. But you know what I've discovered? A lot of us, pastors, modern day pastors, we have what brings people? Oh, like Pastor, our the Monday, sh- our shaman of today is telling us, we have the fire. We set ourselves on fire, so people come and see us burn. But unfortunately, we don't have what we keep those people. What brings people? Miracle, prophecy, signs, wonders, and all those things. Uh-huh. Breakthrough, open door, whatever, either from God or from devil or Satan, <laughs> it brings people. Crowd will gather. Week in, week out, they will gather. But what keeps people? Good example, good leadership, teaching, training, management, discipleship, godliness, integrity, transparency. That's what keeps people. Skill, relational skill, that's what keeps people. So we can divide ourselves. Some of us, <laughs> we are what brings people if I give you a microphone they will come but how do you retain those people how do you keep them and they are growing in the law that's what we lack and that's what God wants to give us in the African church we need it brethren and receive it in Jesus name so the church is not a hospital if you are running church like hospital that's how you are in trouble but Dr. Aleko St. Thomas Senior and that church, it will not be a transgenerational church. It's a church that will die before you die. No, those are hard truths. Those are hard realities. I've seen them over and over and over and over. Because what we are pursuing is different to heaven. We don't have heaven at the back of our mind. And some of us, the church we are running, we don't run the church as if, Lord, suppose I die today, what happens to this church? Would they stay in the Lord? Do they know Jesus sufficiently? For them to stay in Jesus, even if I quench. But we don't think of that. I remember I, I told the story. Maybe I can repeat it to some of you. You have not heard it. And at our center there, when God built it for us, when we finished it with all the terrazzo, all the marble, everything, and everything was okay, we're ready to move in and continue our offices and schooling there. I called my people, my innermost people, who were there praying, and I asked them a question. I know where I'm going, but I asked them a question. And this was my question. I said, please, oh, 
Suppose it has not come, I'm not ready yet to. I'll still be around 87, 90 before I die. But I told them, I say, let's just say, let's paraventure, paraventure. Suppose I just fell down today and I die. I expect you people to bury me. You are my inner Mosako. I expect you to bury me at the center here. Ah, one of them said, Esa, we can't bury you here. Let's tell you when you are still alive now, so that when you die, you won't be fighting us. We can't bury you here. I said, why? I will let my baby You will spy this place. People will stop coming here. And when they know we bury you here, they will think we use you to do juju. And they will be doing, mm, so they will stop coming. I said, okay, where will you bury me? He said, you see, that corner at the end there, towards the back, we can manage you there. I'm only me. Me? Is that the way you people love me? One of them said, he has not spoken since then. He said, let's tell you the truth. We won't bury you in this compound. We will take you to bury our ground. I said, eh. He said, sir, that's the place that you rest in peace. Because if I be a mama, you're here. I don't have a lot of time. I said, wow. I said, I got the lesson. I said, so all of us, let's learn lesson from that. All this thing we are dying over. We want to steal, we want to kill, we want to maim, we want to destroy. Just to build a big uh, whatever. I said, they won't bury you inside. I won't be disappointed. <laughs> Hello. The church is not a social club. It's not a celebration. It's not a ceremony. It's not a collection center. Rather, what is in your outline there? What is the church? An army barrack. An army barrack. The local church is an army barrack. And look at what they do in Army Barak. They recruit you from being a civilian. They change your dress. They transform you. They train you. They equip you. They empower you. They release you to go and fight. And if you get wounded, they restore you and revalize you as a soldier for the Lord. That's what the church should be. It's Army Barak. Hello? So all things must be there. There must be healing. There must be miracle. There must be prophecy. There must be deliverance. There must be discipleship. There must be salvation. There must be godly living. And if anybody falls into sin, we restore him or her. If anybody receives arrow, we heal. We brought him back. We don't leave our wounded at the battlefield. We bring them home. And we make them to stand in the Lord again. That's what the church should be. So salvation message, healing message, deliverance message, suffering message, patience message, godliness, righteousness, everything must be there. Teaching, training, equipping, empowering must be there. That's a true church. That's what church growth means. And you can't get that if you are not trained for it. There are many Bible schools you go to, they won't teach you that. There are many books you read. You can read books and benefit. But when you sit down, you have been taught. He said you can really practice this. The third one, church health. Of course, you can plant a church and you can grow the church through all these things I have told you. Until your church becomes a growing, a genuine, goal-oriented, going, groaning, glowing, grounded, glittering, giving, and a great church. According to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, 27. But you need also to work for the health of that church. Like I told you about human body. You need to work. 
you know, when you are 10, when you are 20, when you are 25, you don't know what I'm saying. But when you are nearly 40, and when you are 42, 45, you begin to know the importance of health. That what you do, what you eat, how you handle yourself, the pressure, the stress, the carelessness of your health in your 20s, in your 30s, you can't do it in your 40s. If you do, you will die before your time. Such health. It's like human health. And I know a lot of people, if I ask you to stand up now, you can stand up. For example, I can give you, I'll make a typical example of what I've just told you. When I was 40, 42, I didn't take care of my health. Because I remember at around, around 33, 34, I bought a car. That was my first time of, okay, 34. I remember I bought a car. And I didn't know the importance of health. Before I bought that car, I walk a lot. I stress a lot. I walk a lot. I do gymnastics. I do exercise by walking. I can travel from here to Oshodi. But the minute I bought a car, I started riding. Even if I'm going to buy bread at that junction, I drive car. I didn't know I was killing myself. When I was 40, my stomach was like this. I'm not For those of you that are laughing, may the blood of Jesus wash your heart. Oh, I'm, I'm saying serious thing, and you are laughing at me. I'll think about you. And I, and you know, I didn't know I'm killing myself. Oh, because in our language, in Yoruba culture, that is evidence of good living. When your stomach shooter, it's evidence of good living. It's evidence of cancer. It's evidence of fibroid. It's evidence of every disease that will kill you eventually. And because I see God say it's not your time to die, but you want to kill yourself oh, by the way you are eating and doing all that. I have to readjust. Maybe you can see me now. I have to readjust. And I have to go to gym every day and change my food and change my time of eating. And change all that. That's why I can have the heads. The same thing in church. Because church is like human body. You can't just do everything in church. Oh, we can do it anyhow. And it doesn't matter. If it is God's church, he will take care of it. Uh-uh-uh. He can take care of it. But he decided not to take care of it. He will take care of it in conjunction with you. That's why he gave you brain. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you the anointing. He gave you his word. You should take care of his church. Hello. Eshesa. Church health. Any church can grow, but not biblically healthy. And there are many churches that are growing. But the health is not there. Unhealthy growth is numerical, financial, and structural growth only. That's unhealthy growth. Unhealthy growth. Eh? The church is going numerically. The offering is coming in. The building is wonderful. But how about the lives of people inside? That's what matters to God. Sicknesses and diseases are termites and barriers that eat away the spiritual health of churches. We'll get there. I just pray you keep coming. These four days you will complete this course in Jesus' name. We'll get to sicknesses and diseases that afflict our churches, that kill us. Like today in Nigeria, cancer is a killer. Like today, stress is a killer. 
Thank God in one of the seminars and the workshop, we'll do something on physical health. I hope you can go there. Like if you wake up, you have this headache around here. Oh. <laughs> and Lord, dear, dear. Hey, I've never been sick. I believe in healing without, I mean, health without drug. Amen. I believe it. I believe it until a few years ago. I am the Lord that healed thee. I believe it. Oh. And I still believe it. He's our greatest healer. But that doesn't mean I should not drink some things that will help me. Like this morning, the first thing that my wife brought to me, La Rokutu. He said, give me this thing that help your blood sugar to go down. Ah, money is shema. Ekpelaye, okonyo neku. Health. The same thing with churches. There are sicknesses that kill churches. Age and size can and do lead to sicknesses and diseases. When your church is too old, when your church is too big, a lot of termites, a lot of, uh, a lot of a sour, they will enter. As I old churches, it takes time. The older your church becomes, the more sick, sickly it becomes. And if you don't understand what you should do, it is that sickness that will kill the church. It doesn't kill church immediately. It just kills it gradually, systematically. Leadership, personality, style, nurturing, and management, they also lead to diseases. They lead to diseases. I know one church. I know one church now. They went and installed a young woman to start leading the church. Somebody that has no training, no experience. She has never pastored. She has never led. She has never raised anybody. And you want to be leading churches. In less than two years now, she has closed down about five, six churches. People are leaving. And they say it's devil. It's not devil. Okay, that devil is human. He put on human flesh. So the way we lead our churches, we determine either that church will grow or not. And in churches where we are having leadership tussle between the head leader and the assistant leader and whatever leader. And the tussle is going on. And I was in that kind of church many years back. Who were young people who were in the prayer room who would pray and pray and pray and God show us vision how to do great things in this church. We'll go and tell our leader. He said, Keep on praying, keep on praying. God will do it. Eventually, God wasn't doing it. And we asked why. There was quarrel off upstairs. There were tosu. And in most churches, there are tosus. And once it's not clear that this is the main leader, the assistant, wait for your time. Don't struggle, just to assist. If you want to be number one, you will come out. And when the church is so arranged in such a way that the leadership cannot take firm decision. When you see somebody that is disloyal and disgruntled and double face and double tongue and double this and all that. And you can't sack the person or relegate the person and we can manage and manage. That's why churches are sick. Stagnation, retrogression and breakaways do come. Because of church diseases. When see church is breaking away, breaking away, breaking away. Where? Where? He's not actually devil. He's the way we set things up. Of course, I've run ministry for years now. Oh, people have left us. Yes. I can't, I can't deny that. But the ministry is growing. Yeah. I can't deny that. People have left us. Yes. Because I put my feet down. This is the policy. This is the way inside you should be doing it. Shipping, if you don't ship it, repent. If you don't repent, 
please ship out. Even my own senior brother, the one who brought me to Lagos. I said, brother, you are fired. Only eh? I'm the one who brought you to Lagos. I said that story once upon a time. He said, you can't do that. I said, I can do it. God called Abraham. Abraham called Lord. It is not God that called Lord. It's Abraham that called Lord. So the person I call, when he wants to destroy what God said I should do, I can fire you. I said, There's no crime in people going. But why do they go? Is it because of issues? Is it because of false doctrine? Is it because of uh, false practices and all that? Are they gathering club? And if people gather, they gather. They say, I want to start our own. Let them go and start. The one God said, make we start. We see the bad God. Talk less of the one way you want to start. Through ambition. Why just shake it? Competent pastors. Let's end it there. Want to plant healthy churches? Want to grow healthy churches? Want to bring health to our churches? Everything boils down to the pastor. Now look up at me. If I have my way, I will never make the pastor the senior leader in the church. But thank God it's not my way. It's God's way. Jeremiah 3.15 And I will give you pastors according to my heart that shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let me explain it this way. In the fivefold gifts, those of you are that, and there are books that explain it out there. This is the apostle. This is the prophet. This is the evangelist. This is the pastor. This is the teacher. In these fivefold gifts, all of them work together in the church, but take it or leave it. This is the owner of the church, that marriage ring, that pastor. A boss in the church. Because if you look at it, according to the gifting, according to their oppression, the apostles goes out and supervise. It shouldn't stay. And let me say this to you. You can't have the gift of apostleship if you have not been a pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet. It takes 20, 25 years to arrive at the apostleship ordination by the Lord. And nobody should ordain you as an apostle. It should be from heaven. So when I see young people, young people, young people, 15, 20, 30, alone apostle, the work you will do in old age, you are starting it now. So that's for that. The prophet also have the gift. He should stay on in the church under the pastor. And when he's proving, when we can see that truly you are a prophet, you are gifted, you are anointed, and you have been verified. One question I always ask when somebody says I'm a prophet, my next question is, who ordained you? Who ordained you into prophetic ministry? Who verify you? Who, who confirm that you are genuine? Oh, just because you have two dreams that along the Hedbeda Road, there's an accident there and it happened. You think you are a prophet? No, sir. The devil also shows things. So, apostle, I'm a prophet. 
must have been very far. And it takes about 20 years to arrive at prophetic office. 20 years of growth. Or else, you'll be prophesying lies to people. Number three, an evangelist. He also goes out. He doesn't stay inside. He has a magnet to magnetize people, to win souls and all that, to bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. The teacher also should serve under the pastor and with the pastor to train people, to build them in the law. But you know, most times, the pastor also has the gift of a teacher. So most times, the pastor is the one that stays inside. A pastor must be inside. He is a shepherd. When apostle go, come back, he gives to pastor. When evangelists, whatever, they go, they come back, they give report to the pastor. The pastor must be the king in the local church. And you don't mess with his crown. Unfortunately, what do we have today? There are a lot of pastors who don't stay inside. They go out. Like me, I love to say it, and I will re-say it. A pastor, a genuine pastor, a healthy pastor, a competent pastor that God can use to grow the church in a healthy way must be on his pulpit. 40 out of 52 Sundays. You must be on your pulpit, preaching, teaching, exhorting, discipling, helping people. But if you don't have resource, if you have not fallen into reservoir of revelation, and have deep revelation in this, that you can preach the gospel in various ways, what will you be preaching 40 Sundays? You can invite guest speaker just 12 times in a year. You can allow your associate pastor or your friend to teach just 12 times in a year. But as a true shepherd, you must be in that church. Preaching, teaching, counseling, encouraging, Setting issue, solving problem, addressing crisis and conflicts. It is then the church will be held. It is then their blood. God will not require it in your hand. Shall you hear what Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20? He said, I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am free from the blood of all men. That's the pastor that is around. But if you are not available, I help pastors say, look, 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 look. They don't pay me well in our church. They don't even magnify me. They don't appreciate me. So I'm going now. Can we stand up? Your money has expired. Stand up. You know we are in a course. So stand up. We are going to use prayer as our recess. Mr. Shaman, come and lead us up. Can we put our hands together for that powerful teaching the Lord has just given unto us as we get ready to pray? We have just been taught the fundamentals of the work that God has given to us as regarding church planting, church growth, and church health. I want you to take note of this like the president mentioned. We need the fire like we had in the first message, but we also need the faithfulness. We need the power, but we also need the purity. We need the anointing, 
but we also need the right attitude. In other words, as we receive the fire and the grace from God, we also need to become competent. And that's where he just rounded up this teaching. And that's the, what we want to pray for this time. We want to pray for the wisdom from above that will help us to run this race the way we should. We want to ask for wisdom from above to do this work the way the owner wants us to do it. Can we open our mouth and say, Father, baptize me with divine wisdom to run this race, to do ministry. Shall we pray in the name of Jesus? If we are going to plant churches, if we are going to raise great people, if we are going to raise disciples, if we are going to build a healthy church, the owner of the work must teach us how to do it. Give me wisdom. Baptize me with divine wisdom. The wisdom from above to be able to know how to divide the truth. To be able to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, with whom to do it. Let's ask for wisdom. Yes, we need the fire, but we also need the wisdom. We need the anointing, but we also need the right attitude. Father, baptize me. Pray. Pastor, pray. That's why we are here. Baptize me, Lord, with divine wisdom. With divine wisdom. With divine wisdom. Baptize me, Lord, with divine wisdom. To run this race, to do ministry. Baptize me with divine wisdom. Baptize me, Lord, with divine wisdom. To run this race, to do ministry in the name of Jesus. Pray for that wisdom. Let's pray for that wisdom. Let's pray for that wisdom. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. We are told the purpose of church planting is to nurture, is to disciple, is to conserve the harvest. In other words, as we reach out to evangelize, as we reach out and we bring people in, God expects those people to be groomed, to be developed, to be trained, and we cannot do those things in our own strength. So let's ask for strength from above. Say strength from above to fulfill my divine calling. I receive in Jesus' name. Shall we just go to God in prayer? The strength from above. As we evangelize, as we reach out to people, as we bring them into the church, let's ask for strength from above. 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 To disciple. Strength from above. To train. To equip. To empower. To build up people. That we continue the work. Let's ask the Lord to give us that strength. As we do church planting, as we get involved in growing the church, as we get involved in raising our healthy people, let's ask for strength. For by strength, our own strength, we can do nothing. Lord, as I go back from here, give me the strength to raise great people, to raise disciples, to nurture the people, to train them, to equip them, to develop them. God, help me do that. It's only when we do that that our work will not be wasted. It's only when we do that that everyone will not regret over calling us. God, give me this strength. Give me the ability. Give me the ability. Ask and it shall be given unto you. I want to go back and develop people. I want to go back and raise disciples. I want to go back and nurture the people. I want to go back and feed them. 
and train them and equip them. We have been told the church should be like an army barracks. Where people are recruited, where people are trained. God, give me that strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me the strength. Give me the ability. Give me the grace. Enable me, O Lord, that as I live here, I will go out there to raise people, to plant churches, to train, to equip, develop, to strengthen. Jesus, mighty name, we have prayed. Let's pray on two different areas, two more areas from that teaching. We were told that the older we grow, the more attention we must pay to our health. And the president said, the church is like the human body. So we want to pray for our churches. Some of us have been in ministry for 2, 5, 10, 15. I don't know how long you've been there. But you want to commit that work to God. That God will heal that church. And he will, he, he will remove every sickness, every disease that has been planted to destroy that work. That God will give healing to that work in your hand. Let's pray the prayer this way. Say, Holy Spirit, visit my church and uproot every sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. Shall we pray in the name of Jesus? Every sickness and every disease that have crept into that work, that have crept into that ministry. Holy Spirit, visit us. Visit us. Visit the church. Visit every department. Visit the ministers. Visit the workforce. Visit every unit. Every disease that have crept into the church. Holy Spirit, uproot them in the name of Jesus. Uproot them in the name of Jesus. Uproot them in the name of Jesus. Let's pray that every sickness, every sickness of prayerlessness, of worldliness, of calamity, of weakness, of disobedience that have crept into the church, that the Holy Spirit should help you as you go back to deal with them. All those character flaws that have crept into the church, the lust of the flesh that have crept into the church, the pride of life that have crept into the church, ask the Holy Spirit to visit your church, visit your life, and uproot all these diseases, all these sicknesses. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Let's pray for health. Father, heal us. It's as simple as that. Bartimaeus said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. You want to ask for healing. Father, in our church, mention the name of your church and pray for healing. Pray for healing. Pray for healing. The great physician is here. Ask him to touch the choir. Ask him to touch the prayer department. Ask him to touch the Sunday school unit. Father, heal us. Heal us. We need your healing. We need your healing. Open your mouth and pray for healing. Open your mouth and pray for healing. Open your mouth and pray for healing. Heal us. Lord, heal us. Hand over the church to the owner. Hand over that ministry to the owner. Hand over that work to the owner. And tell him, Lord, spiritually, heal us. Heal us, O oh Lord. In the area of evangelism, heal us. In the area of outreach, heal us. In the area of raising disciples, heal us. In the area of fervency in the spirit, heal us. Let's ask for healing. Let's ask the owner of the church to visit the church in which he has placed under you. Heal us, O oh Lord. Ask for healing. Mention the name of that ministry. 
mention the name of that church ask for healing if your church is 20 25 30 we've been told the holder the church grows the more attention we must pay to our health pray for healing pray for healing pray for healing for that church 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 in jesus mighty name we are praying let's pray that god will help us to become competent leaders that is the summary and the conclusion of that teaching that if we're going to build great people raise churches build a healthy church a church that is on fire a church that is affecting the kingdom of darkness we must be competent leaders competent pastors people that know what they are doing that is what we want to pray for now say father in this conference build me up to more competence help me to become a competent leader help me to become a strong leader a healthy leader a fruitful leader a productive leader somebody open your mouth and pray that god will help you in the area of your calling in the area of your business in the kingdom that the lord will help you to be competent to be competent to become strong healthy to be productive to be fruitful in the name of jesus ask for that grace to be competent for that grace to be productive ask for that grace fruitful it is that gives us that grace we can't get them by ourselves lord help me lord help me lord help me lord help me help me pray 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 in the name of jesus in jesus mighty name we pray god told moses he said i have picked these two men and i have breath upon them i have filled them with wisdom that they will be able to undo the work of the tabernacle when the lord calls us for an assignment he equips us to do it that's the prayer i ask us to pray let's pray that one prayer one more time father equip me father in this conference equip me all that i need to become a competent leader release upon my life the grace that i need the wisdom that i need the unction that i need the change that i need the transformation that i need somebody open your mouth and pray father equip me equip me empower me to become a competent pastor a competent leader a man who knows what to do that when i go back to minister when i go back to the work i will not fail help me lord equip me lord empower me lord to become a competent leader in jesus mighty name we are free our father and our god we have come to your theater this week we submit ourselves unto you O lord that you deal with us as with children that you correct us where we need correction that you edify us O lord that you sanctify our heart that you wash us in your blood father we submit unto you that you build us up in this conference that we will live here as competent leaders and we will go and do the work to your glory in jesus name continue with us O lord in jesus mighty name we have prayed we hope you have been richly blessed by the message you have just listened to all you need to do now is to adjust where necessary and keep on glowing for him for further growth and empowerment 
you can email Dr. Francis Bola Akinjon on akingrow at yahoo.com. And to know more about International Church Growth Ministry, read Dr. Akinjon's articles and listen to more messages online. You can log on to www.churchgrowthafrica.org. God bless you as you keep on building a lasting work for the Master. Jesus is Lord.